I'm going to interpret part of that chorus there. Take off those crowns of glory. I think we can say, who do you think you are? And we can say that because we need to get in the presence of God. Amen. Brother Dean, I think uh, you need to come on now. Let's see how the Lord leads here. Obey the Lord tonight. Do this and let God speak to you. Don't throw up any barriers. Let God. This is camp meeting. Sit back. Relax. Let's enjoy being in the house of God. Amen. Everybody that loves the Lord, say amen. Go to Genesis chapter 35. Genesis and the 35th chapter. God has told Jacob to go back to Bethel. Been there 20 years ago. And when he got back to Bethel, he built an altar. And this time, he named it El Bethel. He had named it Bethel to begin with, God's house, the house of God. And this time around, at this point in his journey, he names it El Bethel, the God of the house of God. The burden of the Lord tonight is that it'd be really good if we get some of God's people. I believe we could say that better. It'd be really good if God would take us from being plugged in to God's house to being plugged in to God Himself. The first one's necessary. And you ought to spend the rest of your life thanking Him for the night that He dropped a ladder in front of you and plugged you in to God's house. But before you're done, He's going to plug you into something greater than God's house. And that's God Himself. If the Lord will help us, and preachers, you understand this, preaching is an impossible business. It's eternal business. There ain't an ounce of flesh or man or wisdom that we got that can work in this. This is the Lord's business. He don't need our abilities. Our talents and our strengths. We ain't got none, to be honest with you. 
We ain't got no wisdom, talents, or abilities. Somebody lied to you about that. We need God. This is eternal business. The Lord will have to help us tonight. I can't help you. But God, God is so interested in helping you, His own Son left His own throne to come to where we were. I started out shouting, I was birthed in the fire, never knew anything different. I always thought some of these formal boys worried about what the brethren was thinking. I didn't even know what that world was about. More worried about what school you're in than what God you have. Every Bible cause ever been has gone into apostasy, and that's a historical fact. God ain't in the schools. God's into the church. And I met your preacher. We were 18-year-old freshmen. Both of us raised in poor, independent Baptist preachers' homes. But he'd done, he'd buried his mother at 12. And he is already God's man when I met him. We put on a saying one time. Me and him sang Amazing Grace to kick it off. About 15 kids got saved in the Bible college and we nearly got kicked out. And that's a historical fact, logged. That's logged and recorded. All them was preacher's kids. And I ain't trying to be smart of it because most young people need to get born again. And most church kids need to get born again. There wasn't nothing wrong with none of that. But they got to calling home, said we got saved, and me and him got in trouble for all their kids getting saved. Wow. That's weird. We preached our homiletic class together. And they put the papers down and said, We don't know how to grade either one of you. <laughs> Think fitting. Me and him went in the we went in the weightlifting room, which was maybe one of the only times we'd ever went in that room. <laughs> that morning we knelt down over that weight bench and we prayed Amen. for God's power. That's about a hundred pounds ago for me and about forty for him. He moved out here with all you organic, natural people. (laughs) I don't want my heart and inner organs to be strong when my outer body wears out. Y'all are going to live 20 years longer than you're supposed to. I'm like, man, you know, we all shut down about the same time. You're, I don't, you eat your barley grass if you want to. You're shutting down in a little while. 
I kind of hope some of my major organs go a little quicker, but I go before my body does. I mean, be, think about it. Don't have a glorified body for all eternity. Just so y'all don't feel too bad, I am starting to diet like next week. So. I do need to talk to you before I leave. <laughs> I waffle from time to time between waffles. Genesis 35 would be our text. Lord, help us, and I thank you for it. Verse 1, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell. We got enough preachers in the building, and I think we got enough Bible students. I remember... Dr. Reuben Fields, the old black preacher from Indianapolis, said there are no Bible scholars, only Bible students. That little word dwell means to abide. Brother Lane, that's John 15. That's where we're supposed to live. I'm the vine, you're the branches, abide in me. God wanted to fill this man with His Holy Ghost. I know the dispensations there didn't work. God wants to fill us with the Holy Ghost. And He wants some abiding, mature, advanced children. Arise, go up to Bethel. And dwell there. And make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. See, when he went to Bethel, the first time around when he got to Bethel, he was running. I'm going to say something and I'm going to hit a lot of highlights in here. And, I, and I'm not going to expound, exposit, exegete, and exhaust the text. That's not my interest. I want to hit the highlights and let God's people get some help. You go later with God and get in this chapter yourself. Tonight I just want to get this chapter in you. When Bethel came, he was running. When God dropped that ladder in front of him and he got saved. That's what you was doing when your Bethel experience hit you. I had a stone for a pillow, a staff for a possession, running from your sin. God dropped that ladder down in front of you. Bethels come when you're running. But El Bethels come when you're returning. Don't make me don't make me take two hours, y'all gotta 
Verse 2. Then Jacob said unto his household and all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments. And let us arise and go up to Bethel. And I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears. I'll never get back to that, but let me mention it while I'm here. They got that from the Ishmaelites. You go do a study. That was a heathen thing. A lot of witchcraft associated with it. The objects and the little, uh, there's names for them, little witchcraft thingies that they stuck in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. And they journeyed. And the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them. And they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel. He and all the people that were with him, and he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel. Now, if you'll look at me, I want to show you some things and then say some things and see if the Lord will help us with these things. We need desperately in this hour for some people of God to be plugged into God Himself. Not merely God's house. The elementary things are enough to get us going. But they're not enough to keep us going. And Bethel's enough to get you in. But El Bethel is what it takes to get you on. On down the road. And I can remember, and the Lord will have to help us with this truth. I can remember being plugged into God's house. Do y'all remember when you preached because you loved people? And then you actually met some of them people that you loved so good. Pulling them knives at your back. I remember singing when I loved the song. I remember praying because I loved prayer. I remember witnessing because I loved souls. I need y'all to help me. You're supposed to see where this is going. But there will come a day in them dark hours, enough people will hurt you. You'll open your mouth and they'll get kicked in the stomach and there'll be no song. And you'll see less people saved than you ever did one year. And then the souls won't be enough to keep you in. And you'll pray and the heavens will be like brass. And I remember ministering because I loved the ministry. But God needs somebody to love people, not because they love people. But because they love Jesus. And those are His people. And He asked me to take care of them. And 
God needs somebody to pray because not kind of caught up in prayer. Because they're caught up in Him. And God needs somebody to preach that Bible not because they like the sound of their own preaching. And I like the sound of my own preaching when God's in the house. Like one out of ten with me, you know, usually. But somebody, God needs somebody to preach because they love Him. And you need to come in this church and be faithful and serve, not because you love this church, but because you love the one who died for the church. Plugged into God Himself. There will come a time that we'll all be sounding brass and tinkling cymbal if you're doing it for anything other than Him. God was sanctifying Jacob and fitting him for heaven. He was bringing him around to the, to the other side of the mountain. He's bringing him around close to the shore. And he was getting him fit for glory. There are four burials in this chapter. All he does in this chapter is bury stuff. If y'all help me now, see, I won't have to preach it. You just preach it back to me. In heaven, I want to be a black preacher the first 100 years. Yes, I do. Because I've had to put up with white people all my preaching ministry. Y'all preach it back to me and I don't have to preach it. He buries. In verse 8, he buries Deborah, Rebecca's nurse. That was his nurse made it. That's kind of like his nanny. That was his mama's helper. And she nursed him. She's a nursemaid. In verse 4, I didn't got to have him. Because we read that one. He buried them strange gods. I need y'all to help me. And he got to a tough one down there in verse 19, and he buried the love of his life. He buried Rachel, that sweetheart. Y'all got to help me now. And then how does the chapter end? What's the last three or four words? And there they buried him. Buried his father, Isaac. Your Bethel... I'm not, as, I'm not as smart as Brother Dana. And I'm not as old as Brother Keever, the anointed. I just have to do the best I can. Y'all got to pray for me. That's two of my heroes right there, Brother Lane. I'm glad we got the kids' feet this morning. about a year. I got my daddy's pastor. <laughs> Kissed his feet. <laughs> it's for me and him. Y'all can listen if you want to. <laughs> I love Brother Lane. feel like helping him in his ministry. I got an old deacon that was holding up my daddy's pastor's hands when they flagged my daddy out of hell. I'd have been in hell if Melchizedek kept stepping down there and stopped Abraham. 
Levi's in the loins. He's yet in the loins when Abraham met Melchizedek, but the transaction included him. Read Hebrews 7 for yourself. I ain't got time to read it for you. That old deacon got down this spring and we washed and kissed his feet. I shouldn't have said washed. I explained myself now. That ain't an ordinance. It does something I felt like doing. That old deacon. Your Bethel chapter has got a ladder in it. Bethel has an upward movement. When God found you and saved you, things were looking up and going up. But your El Bethel chapter has a shovel in it. And you go downward. You look down. You go down. You bury stuff in your El Bethel. For God to plug you into His house, He had to lift you up. But for God to plug you into Himself, He's got to take you down. Break your heart and mess up everything you got going. And in chapter 35, God severed all His earthly ties. And if we're going to get plugged and go from being plugged into God's house, to being plugged into God Himself. Oh, and I didn't mention this, but preaching goes a lot better when it's for Him. And praying works a lot better when it's with Him. And telling somebody about Jesus a lot better when it's for Him and not a notch in your belt. And surviving storm goes a lot better when you do it for Him and with Him. You don't quit just because you love Him. Come here, Kyle, and sit right here. I'm fixing to look at them four burials, but I want to get that God Himself in our system. Sit right there, son. John 13 said John was leaning on Him. Leaning on Him. We lean on Him when we need strength to not fall over. But in a little while, it said He was lying on Him. Leaning is for me. But laying is for him. And if you never understood John 13, they sitting around that they don't sit in chairs at a table. They lounge and recline in a horseshoe shape with pillows and cushions. And the rest of them <laughs> fussing about thrones. Where they'd sit in the kingdom. And old John said, Had nothing effeminate about that. I had old Papa and I'd lay on him like that. You remember them Saturday night prayer meetings? There'd be seven of us laying on old Tutu, wouldn't they? Here's our big old pot bellied deacon. Bald-headed. He's so full of God and glory. Be 30 men in there. And he'd be laying on that floor hollering and 
and shout and glory to midnight. We, I didn't have to lay it on him many a night, bawling and squalling, wrapped up in his rib cage somewhere and just shouting. People plugged into God's house lean on Jesus because they need Him. But people that go a little further to let, they're plugged into God Himself and they don't need Him so much that they just love Him. <laughs> By the way, He's real gracious. He'll meet your need in any, in either one. He's going He'll meet your need in any position. It's just sweeter when you love Him. Bethel! God, there's a ladder in that Bethel chapter in your life. God pulls you up out of a horrible pit into the very throne room of God. But when El Bethel chapter comes, God gives you a shovel and you start burying stuff. Come before you can be plugged into God Himself. He's got to unplug you from all that other stuff. Now, for the Lord to help me, and I don't know what the Lord has planned for the whole service. I'd like to talk about quickly the order of these burials. And then go back over and maybe just as quickly the ordeal of these burials. Now, i got four A's for you. And you all are doing real good, so I think you can get them. Let's run by them. There's four A's. Right? We'll, we'll alliterate this and maybe remember it. Write it down next in your Bible. Them strange gods is the first one. And I want you to call that one earthly abominations. In your El Bethel chapter, God's going to have you bury all of your earthly abominations. All right, y'all got to hit Maybe you're taking notes. That's all right. Strange gods. He said we've got to change our garments and get cleaned up. And we've got to bury these, these strange gods. I'm going to make a little announcement and go right to the next day. If you're going to go with God Himself, you go with God alone. He's a jealous God. He is a jealous God. He's liable to kill your gods. Give me some Church of God level. The Methodists kill him. You're doing good. That man, that, that man's, he's carried. Don't, I don't, I talk real nice to My wife, Jennifer, loves me. But she liable to kill somebody if ever. She done told me. I found her in the swamps. She's a swamper. She said, you ain't somebody preached on a preacher's falling in sin when I run off with a woman. She said, you ain't got to worry about God dealing with you. That's what, on the way home. She said, that ever happens to us? said, I'm a shooting her and I'm shooting you in the same time. She said, God talked to you how you feel about when you get to heaven. I wouldn't deal with it. I wish I had time to tell you all a funny story, but I ain't got time. See me after church. <laughs> I mean, I, Stephen, I want to tell you this story. See me after church. And I... 
tell me that. It's a good man. I was 18 years old. This will help somebody too. I was 18 years old in Bible college. And there's an old, older girl in there and they had a Sadie Hawkins banquet where the girl gets to ask the guy. And this poor old girl went all through Bible college like three times trying to get a husband never could. So she asked me to Sadie Hawkins banquet. I looked dumb enough. She just took me, and then her mama and them, they took me to the house, made me steaks and potatoes. Y'all ever eat in the Bible college cafeteria? There ain't no steaks and potatoes. I was like, oh, this thing's working out good. I don't know who Sadie was, but I appreciate her. <laughs> Dated her two months, went home for the summer. My daddy met her. She left. He said, she ain't no good. Dump her. I picked up the telephone, didn't hesitate. I'm going to say a little something right here. I didn't pray about anything until I was 30. That's truth. I did what my pastor told me. I did what my daddy told me. I did what Ron Garris told me. I did what Randy Bell told me. I did what Roy Sitcher told me. I never prayed about nothing. I didn't read the Bible. About Romans 8, I didn't even know what to pray for. As I ought. So, I just did what God's men told me. I called her up and said, hey, I'm breaking up with you. <laughs> About like that. <laughs> she said, what? Who is it? I said, Daddy said you ain't no good. <laughs> Who is it? I said, I got to go. <laughs> I didn't know it. Now the girls are going to hate me. It was our birthday. <laughs> Stephen, it was our birthday. That's bad, man. That ain't, that's bad. Ladies, don't... Now, please forgive me, Stan. I, I didn't know which... That gets me in worse trouble, don't it, right there? That's the, now, this is the part that can't go on the Internet. <laughs> Every time I tell you, She came to church the other night where we was. Jennifer's sitting there. And the girl come in there right in front of her. I preached everybody on the right side the Now here's what was great. She came down to the altar and knelt right in front of me. And she had corns and calluses and black stuff on her feet. She had the ugliest. Her hair was stringy. I'm just telling the truth. It was brown, gray, and some reddish thing. And it was straggly. And I just sat. I sat there. She kneeled right here. Sandals. And then, man, she needed them like, what, what do you women do to your feet, them? Pedicures. This woman needed like four of them in a row. I sat there and I just said, spent all night saying two things. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Daddy. And in my line of vision, my bride was sitting right behind her. And this old girl got up in the middle of service and did the swan dance. She was up going like this. the swan dancing. I spent all night saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Daddy. Next Sunday's Father's Day, he's getting two gifts. My little bride was sitting behind her and the woman with them, like, sawmiller's feet is, there, is that a word? Pork water. Pork water. And that hair. And even then, you girls are going to bear witness, she did sit like this the entire night and looked at me. I had the old one swan dancing and mine was going, like don't even look at her. That entire side got all kind of help that night. <laughs> and that's church. Jennifer said, you didn't speak to her, did you? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I said, did you see them feet? <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer said, I was going to take her out. Said, I <laughs> I seen her going to the altar. Said if she tried to shake your hand or hug your neck, she's not gonna take her out at the knees. See, that's gonna take her out. Now, my wife is not mean, but my wife loves me, and she'll have no other girls in my life. I'm gonna tell you something about God. He ain't mean. I'm really tired of people hollering about how mean God is because He won't let you do this or have that or go there. God just knows what's coming down the road. And He'll, he'll do you a favor. My wife ain't mean, but she could get mean. And God ain't mean to you. But he could sure tackle some things. And what you need to do with them abominations, them strange gods, he's a jealous God. You won't bring no other love with you. Now, right now, we don't need some Pharisee hopping up with a list of, you know, 101 things before you can fellowship with me. No, no, this is far bigger than hair lines and hem lines. Separation has to do with heart lines. You can get your hair right and your hem line right and be a several abominations living, living in that heart. Them are earthly abominations. He's a jealous God. And He ain't letting no other gods come and go with you. Let's get them other three A's in quick. and then I'll... Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died. That's earthly attachments. 
that nursemaid. I'm not trying to be funny or vulgar. He nursed there and that. And do y'all know the things that are precious to us as babies and as children? Anybody ever have a security blanket? A banky? My little two-year-old girl's got her pappy. She's got three of them. She holds one in each hand, sucks on one. I was against babies using pacifiers until I had babies. And then they're like, let's buy a pacifier factory. I had some great child-rearing sermons until I got married and had children. Turns out there was a lot of preferences in them days that wasn't convictions. My little kinder loves to take that one pappy. She's sucking on this pappy. She'll take that one and rub her nose with it. And her eyes will start rolling and fluttering, and then she's out like a light. And that represents the childhood, the childish, the baby things that we hang on to to feel secure. And then the third A is affections. That was the love of his life. You remember, he served seven years and ended up marrying Leah, who the King James said was tender-eyed. <laughs> I really want to know what they really meant. They were so kind. Tender-eyed. And he, and he had to marry her, and then he had to serve seven more years. And he said, it seemed as just a few days unto him for the love he had to her. That was his defection, the love of his life. And then the last one, his father, that represents earthly authorities. That was his flesh father. Can I get a witness? The fleshly powers and the earthly authorities. And I, God's going to bury those before we're done. Are y'all with me? He rep- so there's your four A's. Here's the order of the burials. Let's walk through them for 60 seconds, see if y'all can uh, get in this thing and understand right where I'm. In that El Bethel chapter, he's going to bury them earthly abominations. Whatever you got from the heathen, you're going, you're going to bury it. If you didn't get it from heaven, you got to bury it. It may not even be bad. But if it didn't come from Him, it's got to go. God may ask me to bury something, never ask you to bury it. It ain't none of my business what God tells you. Them earthly abominations and then, and then them, earthly effect, them earthly attachments. If we're ever going to operate on God Himself, we're going to operate with God Himself. And let go of all them little things that we cling to. I remember when I, God, I, I pastored from 21 to 29 in a great revival. You could ask some of the men in the building today that were eyewitness to what God did. And I'll be honest, I had no idea what I was doing. And that was part of the key yeah. to God moving. And uh, at 29, I res- God had me resign and step out into full-time evangelism. And I remember I had a $5,000 saved up, which to a poor boy. <laughs> Get up, boy! <laughs> we was poor growing up, we couldn't even pay attention. <laughs> Daddy said somebody broke in the house. When they was growing up, they support. I said they all got out of bed and tried to help him find something. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> So they sent him to the neighbor's house. He go over the hill, about a mile over. 
Billy Kelly said he was so poor growing up, so they went down to Kentucky Fried Chicken and licked other people's fingers. <laughs> so I had that $5,000 crutch. It's 29. Never had nothing. And tried to make me a little plan, you know, 5000 you know, what's that, a month or two months? For, but I thought it would last a year. <laughs> and driving up, the truck broke down five times in four weeks, and I had to repair it every time. And that 5000 got gone within a month. And then God said, okay, yeah. are we done? Yeah. Leaning on anything other than me. Come here. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not. No strength. He's gonna, you're going to bury them earthly attachments and then you're going to bury them earthly affections. God will ask Abraham for his Isaac. He wants your heart. And so he's going to bury whatever's got your heart. And he's got to bury them earthly authorities. God wants you plugged into your heavenly Father. Not those earthly authorities and those fleshly authorities and those principalities and powers that operate in this realm. Now that's the order of the four burials. Now, I'm going to try to just as quickly, and I'm not in a hurry, but walk through the ordeal of these burials. You pastors know it comes time to do a funeral. That's one of the heaviest ordeals. Because you're standing at the brink of eternity. You know that lost people are there. You know that broken people are there. You know that some people are just confused and and sorrowful. That's one of the heaviest times for a pastor. I'll never forget that that phone call. And they said, Willie and Annette, two-year-old baby, four kids, that little Navy family we had, Brother Larry, was eating breakfast, and Daddy was in from the ship. Been out on a six month, out on the ship. And that little baby, he was eating breakfast, and somebody said, "Where's the two year old?" And he'd crawled out the screen door, and they run out in the yard just in time. I hate to even tell this. I don't, there was a gas truck backing up, and he got one of them phone calls. Thank God He lives in the darkness. Because He knows we do too. And uh, these burials are an ordeal. I want to say something about the ordeal of these things, how God works in our life. Let's talk about... If you're writing down notes, write this down. Earthly abominations are buried before El Bethel. Earth, that first burial has to take place before El Bethel. He said, we've got to put all these strange gods away, and then we'll go have church. You don't bring them strange gods in here. And told them down to, I guarantee they didn't have no ex-girl, Brother Stephen. There wasn't no exes on one arm that day that they brought my bride down. They was all gone and cleaned out and bye-bye. 
And you don't bring all them secret sins and pet sins and them idols in your heart and all that that you got from hell and all that you got from the heathen. You don't bring them to the altar and God getting God bond with you. They're buried before El Bethel. I want to make two comments about this this burial here. Number one, I'm glad that they can be buried. What did they do with them? They hid them under the oak. I'm going to make a statement expect y'all to act like a soul choir with tambourines. They took all that they got from hell, and I'm glad there was a tree that they could hide them under. I want to stop and make a little now. I'm glad that there's a tree. That I can take everything hell ever put on me and bury it under that tree. I'm just glad that they can be buried here out of His sight under the blood, under the blood, or under the blood. I'm glad everything hell ever pinned on me. Everything that ever come out of my old hellish nature. Every sin, every transgression, every every stronghold. God knows the handful in here who want to live in sin. But God knows the rest of you that sin's living in you. And you don't want it. And you're in Romans 7. Oh, wretched man. I'm so glad there's a tree. I'm hid with Christ in God. They were hid. I'm glad they can be buried. And I want to say that they must be buried. They must be buried. Let's go to that second burial. Well, before I leave that one too quick, it ain't in my notes, but it's in my mind. One of the greatest revivals we had kicked off two teenage girls. Neither one of them had a parent that came to our church. We lived near the state penitentiary. Had a lot of kids in my church that was there connected to the prison. Them girls got saved and on fire. And I remember the Sunday they walked down had a paper sack. And they was crying, preacher. You remember that? Terry and Paula. Paula Brown and Terry Griffiths said, we're saved and on fire and we want to give you this and want you to burn it or do something with it. And it had two or three little old rock music tapes. And these girls didn't know nothing. They'd never been around nothing but hell. One on Mama Lichard, five marriages. This is coming right from their heart, right from the Holy Ghost. It don't come no better. And nothing else lasts. Had them Daisy Duke cut off shorts and some old halter tops and then just, and then a little old sack. They said, we want you to burn this. They said, we won't look like Sister Geraldine. We won't be like Sister Rebecca. <laughs> it's five weeks before people quit bringing stuff. It was five weeks before people quit bringing stuff. Yeah. 
went six months. I don't know how many people, God only knows, got born again out of them, out of them hell holes in that swamp where we were in that six months. Because two little girls. Jesus said, I'll take that. I've got a tree. I can bury that under. <laughs> and then them earthly attachments, the second burial. If you notice in your Bible, in verse 7, he built an altar and called the place El Bethel. And at the same, look in verse 8, and that's when his nursemaid died. And she was buried beneath Bethel under an oak. <laughs> Putting a lot of stuff under this tree tonight. <laughs> Some of y'all need to quit being babies. Some of y'all need to quit sucking your thumb. With God. You're whining. You're leaning. You're acting like a child. Just between you and God, you are acting like a child. You ain't plugged into much. You ain't going to last. He buried... Rebecca, at the same time, here's what I want you to write down. See, earthly abominations are buried before El Bethel, but earthly attachments are always buried with El Bethel. <laughs> Brother Lane, right about the time that we plug into God Himself, he, right at that time, He unplugs them childish things. And I like my little savings accounts where I don't have to worry. But God... Ain't worried about me worrying. He's worried about me believing. He wants me leaning. When I when I, my heart's cold and I'm ungodly and I ain't laying, he at least wants me leaning. And see, earthly attachments are buried with El Bethel. Now I'm gonna make two comments under this for those of you studying your Bible and keeping notes. What I'm gonna say with this burial first, there's much weeping. Alan Backeth. Do y'all see that under the and the name, see the end of verse eight? This tree. You know what this tree was named? Alan Backeth. Pretty sure that's not how you pronounce it. I'm pretty sure that's exactly how I'm going to pronounce it the rest of my life. <laughs> Alan Backeth. I got my Jones Dictionary of Old Testament proper names. Best. For you fellow preachers, the best word study on proper Hebrew names that I've ever found. Jones, and he said, Alan backeth the tree, gets this, of much weeping, excessive flowing tears. Flowing tears. Excessive tears. Much weeping. Brother Chris, I... Man, I hope this ain't too personal. But your people need this. He's 12 when he buried his mother. Is that right? 12. He's 12 when he buried his mother. Brother Stephen, I wonder why he was already a man of God when I met him at 18. 
Y'all going to try to get far in this thing without weeping. Suffering's the only thing that brings eternal things. Suffering's the only thing that will divorce you from this world and connect you to that world. Other children, that's why. We're not bragging on flesh tonight, but we ought to give honor. That's why he's such a good friend and a good man. People sit under that tree and do excessive flowing tears. Because see, that much weeping is always followed by much worship. I double D dog somebody. I dare you to read the next verse to me right after it says, Alan Backeth. What's the next line? And God appeared. You, you bunch of Dutch Reformed Presbyterians. Hallelujah! And God appeared! He may hurt you, but He'll never harm you. keeping my King James Bible. As easy enough for me to read, and I'm from Tunnel Hill, Georgia. And God appeared. <laughs> What's so hard about that? I like the way she reads. Because it's the Word of God. And God appeared. And somebody say the next word right after appeared. Again. I'm so glad he's a God who'll do it again. If God didn't do things again in our life, it'd all be over with. Again. He may bury that precious, whatever represents a a nanny and a granny in your life or that nursemaid. The sweetest thing in your memories. The sweetest thing in your beginnings. You may bury them. You may bury your mommy when you're 12. But there's a God at the end of Isaiah said, As one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you. And you may put your mom in the grave, but you walk out of there with El Bethel. And God appeared again. And y'all gonna love this. I just saw it. There's three agains right there. Well, first one's appeared. He appeared again. If we want to see God. Back in our churches, back in our preaching, back in our home, back in our prayer cloth, back in, if we want to see him again, you better let him bury him, whatever that security blanket is. And then God announced again. Y'all got to help me. Is it verse 10? And God said. And is it the next verse too? And God said. And you know what he said, Brother Chill? He said things he'd already said before. He just wanted to say them again. He said that name is it. Let's go over this again. He said, you remember back when I changed your name? It still changed. You're still Israel. 
It's good for the Lord to come along and let you know you're still His. You're still saved. Don't y'all act super spiritual with me. Every preacher in here, the devil will come tell you sometime or another here in a little while, you ain't even saved. People of God, please don't think you're the only ones that the devil talks to about that. He talks to us about that. But if you let God put you under the cross through a season of weeping, He may just come along and let you, you know, you are mine. That night I changed the name and that still stands. And then He anointed again. Verse 14, He built an altar and poured oil on it and the wine. And there was an altar, a pillar again with oil and wine. That's the Holy Spirit and that's the blood of Christ. On that stone altar, that rock is the Father, that that wine blood, that was Christ, that oil was the Holy Ghost, and He had oil running in His life again. Preachers, I'll be honest with you, I need fresh oil. Hell's fighting me harder. I'm just a youngster. That's a man of God. There's an old man of God. I'm still just a youngster. It's my 28th year. Preached my first revival 25 years ago. Wrote a Bible track when I was 14. It because we care. Wrote a 10 speed all over 25 miles handing out my Bible track. Even back then I knew better than being a smart aleck. Everybody knows God's last name ain't supposed to be that. You know, because we care. And I'm fighting more hell in my mind, in my spirit, in my flesh, in my home, in my preaching, in my study, in my... Are y'all with me? Do I have to be honest by myself? Uh, maybe not for you. Maybe really not. You may be having a good year, but I'm fighting more hell than I have ever fought in my entire life. And it gets harder the closer you get home. I do not know that for a personal, but all the old men of God... I've sat down with white-haired preachers my whole life and talked to them on purpose. And every one of them said, it gets harder the closer you get home. An old man told me last year, it's like a tractor pull. You get in this thing and you get to going. And that, that weight ain't real close to you. That burden is not right on you. Said you start out in the tractor's pull and you throw mud and blow smoke and make a lot of good ground. Don't make fun of young preachers when they're overzealous. If they ain't overzealous when they start, they ain't going to be worth shooting in ten years. Let them preach against everything in the world and five things that nobody's even heard of. I did. It'll be all right. They gotta hate seeing that much for Egypt to swallow them in about five minutes. Let them be crazy. You ought to be mature enough to say amen. Your little old flimsy religion ain't got three sticks to prop up on. Somebody mentioned anything, you stay out of church for a month, pow! Oh, love having a God on you, a man preach against putting ice in sweet tea. You ought to say, Amen. <laughs> Go ahead. They said that tractor gets to going. And the closer you get to that finish line, that burden gets on you. 
right on you. And he said, very few of them tractors got enough to get yourself across. And the old man told me, said, I can't even hardly go. And he said, the, the burden's so heavy on me now and all the hell coming against me. He said, no, everybody got no juice left in my motor. He said, I really, really want to cross that line. <laughs> you see them boys blow their engine? And they ain't going nowhere. Smoke everywhere. I said, what happened? You don't cross it. He said, you ain't got to. He said, they got tractors and bulldozers at the end. <laughs> Waiting on you. <laughs> he said, they'll back up and hook up to you. He said, they'll pull you on across the line. <laughs> hey! I'm planning on goodness and mercy getting me across. I'm planning on grace and glory getting me across. I'm planning on the Holy Ghost and the Lord Jesus getting me across. I'm counting on... I'm counting on being eat up with so much messed up with me. I'm counting on one thing. He died in my place. Dropped a ladder in front of me one day and swore to me that there's a covenant wrapped around me. And so He'll do it again. He'll anoint you again. And if He don't, I can't go much further. But He will. He will. He does. Earl Hughes said that little lamb gets in a cast. Cast down. He said that cast is a shepherd's term and it gets, what's the word, foundered on its back and can't even get up. He said that good shepherd. So he'll call you and call you and if you don't come, he's figured out maybe you can't. And said he'll get up off that throne and leave ninety and nine ones in good shape where they're at. <laughs> said he'll come out there and find you. Said he'll pick you up and lay it on his shoulders and carry you back in. Here's the last one. Them earthly authorities. They're buried because of El Bethel. He's going to be the only God in your life. He's going to be the only head. He's going to be the only master. The world's not supposed to be your master. The flesh don't have to be your master. The devil shouldn't be your master. He's going to bury all them old heads. He wants you plugged into him. And them earthly authorities are buried because of El Bethel. Now, I'm going to close with this. I'm going to ask you a question. Here's the conclusion. I'm going to ask you all a question. I wonder how Jacob's doing now. I wonder how he's doing after all them burials. God's been taking him down for a chapter. God's been killing everything precious in his life and everything that is attached to him. What's the first thing he told him? Once you get back to Bethel and dwell. Chapter 36 is all about Esau. So we're going to skip him. 
And the next time you see Jacob is chapter 37, verse 1. Brother Lane, it says, what is the first three words? <laughs> and Jacob dwelt. God means for you to be an abiding Christian. He's going to bear everything in your life that keeps you from abiding. Now he dwelt. I doubt that he buried his father. Now he's having sons of his own. The next thing said, and these are the generations. God means for us to bear fruit and multiply and increase and be great. He got to bury some things before he births some things. And here's the last thing, the best thing. What verse is it? Says, verse three. Look at me. Look at quit. Look at me. Don't be looking down. Look up here. I'll be the professor for a minute. He done buried all the things that he loved. Bad things, good things, precious things. Revered things, all the things he loved. Wonder if there's any love left in his life. You can look. You can look. Now, Israel loved Joseph. There might be a new Christian here, doesn't it? Joseph is the greatest type in the Old Testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was that heavenly son who was given with prophecies. Y'all got to help me. There was only one son that the rest of them were going to bow to. His father loved him for 17 years and then sent him to his brethren who hated him. (laughs) Sold him into slavery. (laughs) They hated him. For a long time he thought he was dead. And he was down in an earth dungeon between two thieves. Even he was buried for a while. And by the way, don't ever think God don't understand burying stuff. He buried his son for us. But it turned out that he wasn't dead. He was alive. And when he was brought out to change his garment and shave his beard. Yeah. One of these days we're going to get resurrected out and we're going to change our garments. Yeah. And he ruled over all the land. And he enjoyed him 17 years. 17 is the Bible number of victory. He had him 17 on either end. But now Israel loved Joseph. Are y'all all right? Do you got ninety more? Do you got ninety more seconds for me? You know what God wants in our life? He wants to bury everything and turn another chapter in my life and see me abiding in the land. And I didn't show you everything in the land where His Father was. There's some things that ain't no more. But look what I am now. And He wants to say, "Now, Dean, love Jesus." He wants to say now, Lane loves Jesus. He wants to say now, Brother Childress, 
loves Jesus. And what's the next word? Now, Israel loved Joseph more. Yeah, he wants that too. Brother Hawley says, Simon Peter, lovest thou me more? He wants that. Now, now, he wants you to love Jesus more. And what's the next two words? I'm just keeping my King James. It turned out it's working pretty good. What's the next two words? Then all. There you go. Don't fight him. When God goes moving in your life and he starts burying stuff, starts breaking stuff, breaking your heart, and burying everything in your life, for God to get you from Bethel to El Bethel is going to hand you a shovel and take you to a graveyard. And you're going to stay there a whole chapter. But when you come out, you're going to have one love. You'll be that abiding, fruitful Christian who loves Jesus more than all. I you to bow your heads. Just come on and pray if you want to. Maybe our pianist and... Maybe the organist is coming. I don't know. Won't everybody stand? Make it comfortable if you need to move out and come on. Oh, for somebody to go from Bethel to El Bethel. From being plugged into God's house to being plugged into God Himself. If you're here lost without Christ, why don't you come to the Lord Jesus? These Christians are praying. They're praying about their Bethels and El Bethels. But if you need to be saved tonight, you ought to fall on your knees, call on His name, and He'll save you.